Blog Talk Radio. Thank you for joining us for Three Women, Three Ways. Kind of an interesting show this morning. I uh, uh, have a guest named Gary Nimi who hasn't called in yet, so I'm going to be using some of his materials and seeing if we can we can talk a little bit. Hopefully you're out there and you're listening and you're going to call in and give me a hand here. The phone number is 646-378-0430. That's 646-378-0430. Zero four three zero. You can also go on our uh, web page and uh, chat with us. And uh, if you have any questions or comments that you'd like to make, and um, that website is blogtalkradio.com forward slash three women three ways. And those are the digits three, not spelled out, but the digits three. Three women, three ways. So uh, hopefully you're out there, hopefully you're going to give me a hand, because I'm going to be talking without a guest this week, it looks like, and so that's going to be unfortunate. However, um, I did speak with Gary Nimi. He's a research director and a PhD, and uh, he has an institute called the Workplace Bullying Institute, and I can give you that webpage, workplacebullying.org. And uh, what he does is he talks about bullying in the workplace. And apparently this is a huge problem. If you've ever experienced this, you know what we're talking about. I know I have experienced it. And uh, it was at a particularly vulnerable time in my life, so I think it had you know, three times the impact it would have had if I had just not been going through other things. But then we're going to get into that. I think that there's a reason that bullies bully you, and I think that they have radar uh, and they can tell who they can get away with bullying. So again, my phone number, 646-378-0430. And uh, according to workplace bullying, about 27% of Americans have suffered abuse uh, at work, and about 21% say they've witnessed it. And 72% of people say they're aware of that, that they that they understand that workplace bullying works and that it, it happens. And uh, we can say that for a fact, or I can say that for a fact anyway, because I've experienced it. I've worked in an office where the bully um, just basically um, commented on everybody. She looked over everybody's work. She um, was had a she was nasty. I mean, she would say things that would just crush you, and I think that's the way it is with a lot of bullies. I don't think bullies are necessarily blatant in your face um, um, approach. I think that they can say things that will just cut you down, and they don't necessarily have to um, be out and in your face or, or, or obnoxious. Well, no, that's not really the word. They, they, they can be more subtle. Um, they're not necessarily screaming and yelling at you, but they're definitely controlling you with their behavior. 
So that's my take on it anyway. Getting back to Gary, and I've just texted him, so hopefully he'll be with us shortly and can speak from a more knowledgeable standpoint. But um, they did a, a report. His organization, Workplace Bullying Institute, did a report. And in that report, um, they asked a, a question. And one of the questions that they asked was, um, well, I'll just read you the report here. Um, they asked how many people are now experiencing domestic violence than they have within the last year. Seven percent of the people that they surveyed said that that was them, that they uh, were experiencing it. Twenty percent said, yes, they've experienced it, but not in the last year. Eleven percent said they've seen it to ha happen to other people. And 10% so said that they know that it happens, but they don't necessarily have seen it. And this is interesting. Um, this question says that I've actually been a workplace bully myself, and a half a percent of people said yes. Now, I find that interesting because I would have expected none of them to say yes. Um, so I, you know, I, I don't know um, why my expectation is that, but it seems to me that a lot of bullies don't really even acknowledge that what they're doing is incorrect. I think they feel that they just have a right to go ahead and be a bully. So, um, you know, if that's your assumption, please, please let me know. So that half percent that we're willing to admit it was uh, was surprising to me. And four percent of people said that they have not experienced or witnessed workplace bullying and that they believe that non-harmful routine interactions are what others consider mistreatment. Now, that's the percentage that I would have expected um, to, to be the bullies, but only 4% say that that's the case. And the last question that they asked is, I have no personal experience of knowledge of or an opinion about workplace maltreatment, mistreatment, and bullying, and that is 28%. 52% of people said that they have never been bullied. So good for them. I'm, I'm happy. If you've experienced it, and I've experienced it, especially from a boss, you know, one of the things that I've noticed is that a lot of times we assume that it's the boss who's doing the bullying, but in fact it can be coworkers. And in my personal experience, what I saw is the coworker was the bully, and management backed away. Management's attitude was, oh, give her what she wants. You know, we'll get other people to compromise. We'll get other people to to lighten up because she's such a pain that nobody wants to really be around that person. So that's been my experience. Now, there's uh, I did a little research on this topic, and there's an article in um, alternet.org, and it's called What to Do About Your Jerk of a Boss Before You Get PTSD. Millions of workers are suffering from anxiety, depression, and even PTSD because of bully bosses. So we've got bullies out there. We've got bosses. And in this article, um, it was actually a series, from a series of articles on a website called Alternet called Fear in America. And uh, that came out in March of this year. It started in March of this year. And what this organization or what this uh, author says is that uh, workplace abuse um, affects 27% of all adults 
and an additional 21% report witnessing it. So that's consistent information with what um, our guest would have said in his research, um, and that is from WorkplaceBullying.org. So um, apparently 21% or 27% of adult American workers is about 65 million workers. So that really is a huge, huge impact. And one of the things that can happen, and I know, I know some people are out there listening and going, "Oh, for heaven's sake, you know, don't don't be a wussy." You know, so what? People sometimes say things at work, and you know, it's just not that big of a deal. Um, but you know, it can be, and it can eat you away. And you don't have to be a particularly sensitive person to have it eating you away. And um, one of the the effects of workplace bullying, of any kind of bullying, is PTSD, post traumatic stress disorder. And what happens with PTSD is you basically have a trauma. My understanding, and again, I'm not an expert on this, but my understanding is that um, when you experience PTSD, it's from a trauma, and that trauma, either a very significant one-time trauma or uh, more commonly a repeated ongoing type of trauma, like in domestic violence or war experiences, um, and it can actually affect your brain. It can actually affect um, how your brain processes information. It can actually, it, it, it's, it can be a really devastating situation. And um, there, I know there are, are many different ways that people try and and work with PTSD, but um, apparently workplace bullying can be significant enough so that it can create PTSD. And um, it says that uh, PTSD, uh, that there is uh, a former teacher named Carrie Clark, and uh, she was a teacher and school administrator. She developed such severe PTSD, she suffered permanent brain damage that left her with a speech impediment. And so the brain is affected in here. It's not just your, your soggy emotions. It's not just your feeling bad. It actually could affect your brain. And if you have to go to work every day with a bully, um, wow, that can just be absolutely devastating. I'm a pretty tough cookie, and I know that when I worked with this bully, I, I remember on one occasion putting my hand on the door, the exterior door, to go into the workplace and this wave hit me, this absolute wave of anxiety hit me, and I wanted to cry. I absolutely wanted to cry. And I just had my hand on the doorknob thinking, I can't do that. I can't go in there again. But I was a single mom with kids to support, and so, of course, I did. That's what you do. You you put up with stuff, um, stuff that probably is damaging to you in the long run. And I remember telling myself, don't break down now. Don't cry now. You can do that at 6 o'clock. At 6 o'clock, you can have your breakdown, but not now, because right now you have to go in there and you have to face it. One of my coworkers was standing uh, in the office one day when this woman uh, let me have it verbally, and it was just like being hit by a truck. When When she would go after you, it was, I mean, she would do her thing and you would be left dazed and shattered and just in shock. And then she would blithely take off. And I remember uh, when I went into work and she was she was leaving and she hit me with something and she let me have it. And everybody in the office, totally quiet, totally quiet. Nobody ever challenged her. 
And she did her thing, and then she took off, and I'm just standing there. And one of the other workers came over to me and said, try not to let it bother you. What I do is when she opens her mouth, I play the William Tell Overture in my head. And I've often remembered that for two reasons. One is playing the William Tell Overture in your head actually does work when somebody's giving you something and you don't want to hear it. The other reason is why didn't anybody say anything to her? Why didn't anybody say anything? She was not a supervisor. She was not at any other level than they. Um, The bosses, the managers wouldn't really say anything to her either. They would go to everybody else and try to get everybody else to accommodate. And that's kind of the way it is with abusers, isn't it? That's what we do with abusers. They are so difficult to work with. They are so tough that we end up going around to the normal and the reasonable people and trying to get them to accommodate so we don't have to deal with the bully. And I think there's something really wrong with that, and I was really hoping our guest would be here today um, so we could talk about what that's like. I will continue to talk about um, what his report in lieu of his being here, um, and gosh, I am really sorry um, that he hasn't uh, called in because um, he obviously has much more uh, experience with this than I do. What he uh, there, there's another um, um, author, another psychologist who deals with workplace bullying, named Judith Wyatt. She's a therapist, and she and her husband Chauncey Hare co-authored a book called Work Abuse: How to Recognize It and Survive It. Haven't read this book, but I have read some um, uh, summaries from it. And what they say is that bullying. Um, is a, a, a we we have a work culture that supports bullying. It's a work culture that rewards bullies. And when you have a reward for being a bully, if you're perceived as the go-getter and the authority and the one that's taking charge, you actually get some reward for that in work. The problem is that there's a line that you cross when you're that go-getter and that thing, and that is when you're you're walking over other people and bullying them. And um, Wyatt and Hare say that about 95% of our work organizations are authoritarian and that that fosters um, the uh, culture of bullying in, in our environment. They say that in an authoritative work organization, the people at the top, have absolute power, and they can do whatever they want to the people at the bottom, regardless of the needs of the people at the bottom. And they say that uh, we live in a democracy, but we have uh, top-down organizations uh, like that, uh, and and people belong to it every day. So um, in the culture in the U.S. where jobs can be scarce and where it's becoming normal to underpay people and have a job market with fewer jobs, or at least ideal jobs, workplace bullies get to do a lot of stuff. Um, And um, sometimes workplace bullies actually encourage this behavior uh, in order to um, control the workplace, to control workers, get the most out of them. Um, So anyway, that's that's Wyatt and Hare's uh, take on it. Um, We have a, a, a... message in our chat room that wants to go back to PTSD. And um, again, um, PTSD um, is, uh, it it can be 
any form of trauma that's especially repeated or severe can cause PTSD in folks. And um, one of the articles that I read by Hare said that um, PTSD can often be caused, or it can often affect, or at least in a light form, affect new students who are going out and getting to work. Um, which I find an interesting concept because they're used to an educational environment. And in our educational environments, we behave very, very differently to people than we do in an authoritarian workplace. Um, What Harris says is, um, uh, uh, here we go. Um, Um, when with graduation behind them, students embark on new careers for the first time, and most will ponder the best job offers, work scenarios, or office perks, but for many it will be the first experience as victims of workplace abuse because they're going into an environment that is less nurturing, more cutthroat, even the nicest work environments. Um, people want to get ahead. They're earning their living. They want their jobs. They're, you know, there's there's a motivation for being in this workplace, and it is oftentimes much different from what we encounter as students. I remember 100 years ago graduating from college and getting my first 9-to-5 job and being absolutely shocked, not necessarily at the people's behavior, but at the fact that I only got a day off for Christmas. I <laughs> I remember thinking, whoa, you know, what it, what is that all about? And, uh, um, you know, what, why why is this happening? So, you know, we have a caller, and my hope is that it is our guest because he'll be much more knowledgeable about what I'm trying to convey here than uh, I am. And hopefully that message will go back. Here we go. Caller, are you there? Nope. Caller just disappeared. So whoever you were, please try again. And uh, hopefully it's Gary. Um, If you have had this experience of graduating from school and going out to your first job, and it's kind of like a culture shock, but it never occurred to me that it might be a source of um, bullying. But I think it makes some sense. Harris' comment makes some sense when you stop and think that usually in any kind of organization, the newbie is the one that gets bullied. The newbie is the one who... um, um, kind of goes through those challenges, the hazings or whatever. It might be very mild, but it's definitely the newbie. And from the standpoint of the established workers, this is the person who's new. They don't know what they're doing, blah, blah, blah. They don't have the experience. So it's kind of easy easy to see how that can happen. Going back to our, our uh, uh, question about um, workplace abuse, according to Hare um, uh, and Wyatt, they say that uh, there's four type use, and I was going to ask Gary about this. Um, they say neglectful or ongoing abuse occurs when employees' basic needs are not met or they're blamed for expressing these needs. So that's neglectful or ongoing abuse. Um, well, you know, that's interesting. Neglectful, I don't know. I never really thought about being neglected in the workplace, but I suppose you can be being ignored. Um, could probably be a form of abuse. Certainly, I wouldn't think it would be as, as traumatic as some forms. Um, they also uh, categorize scapegoating as a form of workplace bullying, workplace abuse, and they categorize it as chronic scapegoating, um, where one person is chosen for abuse by the group. And I've seen this, where the whole workplace just kind of has a, a, a whipping boy that everybody... Um, and everybody kind of picks on this this person in the workplace. 
and uh, if that person leaves leaves the workplace, somebody else comes in, and that and that new employee or you know a different employee becomes a, a scapegoat. It almost becomes a dynamic of the group to have one person to pick on, and they call that chronic scapegoating. Then they have acute scapegoating, and that's where one person gets negative treatment, usually because that person's behaviors don't match the group norms. Um, so, for example, if you have one person who doesn't dress the same way as the as the, the, the other people or who um, just doesn't fit in sociologically, that person becomes the scapegoat. And sometimes, according to Hare, that scapegoating will stop once that person leaves. So that's kind of specific to that one person. So um, the fourth form that they identify um, as workplace abuse is denial of due process. And that can, uh, occurs secondary to one of the other forms. So in other words, with denial of due process, the employer prevents or undermines appropriate means to resolve conflicts. So in other words, uh, this person has a problem, wants to solve a problem, and it's just, you know, that doesn't happen. Um, so... Um, that that's what O'Hare um, has defined as um, uh, workplace abuse, and you know for the types of workplace abuse. Um, so, why do managers do this? Well, um, one reason is what we were just talking about about the hierarchical forms uh, that workplace work worker workplaces take. Um, they um, have pressure by other managers. So if you're with if you have a manager who's just kind of a real mild manager and easygoing, but his cohorts, his his peer group are are, are tend to be more abusive, then they can pressure him into being more abusive. Um, he says that um there's a uh, that one reason that managers abuse is pressure from other managers, but then he says there's also in, an internal source that it just, that's who that person is. Um, that person is a bully. And who knows why they're a bully? I mean, people have been studying this. Um, it, it, it could be that they were abused. It could be that they were hurt. They have, but, but the point is that when they come into their profession, when they come into work, they now have an opportunity. They're in a position to act that out on other people. And so, you know, that's, um, um, you know, two sources of the reasons supervisors um, can be abusive. Um, from my standpoint, who cares why they're doing it? If they're in the workplace, you know, the fact that they're doing it, excuse me, and um, uh, affecting, you know, other people, that's huge. That's huge, and that's what workers should focus on. One of the things that um, Hare talked about, of course, was PTSD. And when you have PTSD, it's a for it's it's recognized by the Americans for Disabilities uh, Act as a disability. PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder, can be a disability. And when you have a disability, you can receive certain um, compensations, not necessarily money, but compensations and uh, accommodations at work. And um, 
one of the things that Hare says is that uh, pursuing a PTSD disability claim resulting from work abuse is pretty rare because, of course, we're talking about financial support here. And so if somebody um, wants to, you know, I mean, that you're, you're talking about perhaps jeopardizing or uh, putting into question your, your source of financial support. So that can be huge. Um, and that can affect whether or not somebody wants to pursue, pursue that. Um, the other thing is that there's a real, with, with war-related data, this is my own observation, I haven't seen any studies on this, people are willing to um, credit the victim with having been victimized, having something bad happen to them that created this PTSD situation. With work or even with domestic violence created PTSD, in my experience, people are not willing to give that same credibility to PTSD. People are more likely to blame the victim as just being a wussy or weak or um, they, they, they tend to blame the victim more. Now, I hope that that's just my experience and not a universal experience. But, boy, um, you know, that that is my experience. And... Um, so, you know, blame blame the victim kind of thing. And I can understand why if somebody's victimized at work, they don't want to pursue that, um, or it would, would be hard for them to pursue that, not only because of the uh, source of income, the threat to the source of income, but also because of the uh, denial and stigmatization that other people place on those people. So... Um, one other point I want to make, and then we're going to wrap this up since my prof- my professional isn't here, and we'll try to get him to come back again another time and, and really talk uh, in, a, in a, a knowledgeable manner about this. But um, according to the research I did here, um, he said that society perpetuates the den- denial of work abuse through the media. And when he says they, they want to keep this entire thing a secret, I'm, I'm assuming he means media. They're aligned with top management of these corporations because they are funded by them. Well, you know, I'm not sure I agree with that. Uh, I think that the that media oftentimes perpetuate um, and can continue and all sorts all sorts of social conditions simply because of the the way that they portray the news and the news that they choose to portray. So um, this topic, I think, is a huge one, and. Um, one other thing uh, that I'll throw out there before we close is um, that Harris says you need to look at whether you are being abused at work. He said people, are, it's like fish in water, they can't see it because they're in the middle of it and they're used to it. And so if you're feeling like something's wrong, look and see if this could be part of the issue for you. Um, See if workplace abuse is a huge issue for you. And I would also recommend that you look around your workplace environment and see if other people are being abused in your workplace. Because maybe, maybe there's something you can do about it. Going back to my vignette, my story about being uh, raged at by my workplace bully and everybody else just standing there putting their heads down and and ignoring it. I understand that it's kind of threatening um, to jump in in a situation like that, but I also know that later on when I was at a a more um, secure place in my personal life and I didn't have 
I, I, I was just at a better place. And this woman continued with her behavior. And I noticed that as stronger I got, the less she bugged me. And there was one occasion when I was standing in an office and she wasn't bugging me. She was, but she'd picked somebody else at that point, and she picked up a pen and she threw it at the head of this other coworker who just ducked. And all the other workers were were standing around, and you know this was just how she behaved. This is this is what she did, and everybody put their heads down and and just kind of uh, okay, you know, <laughs> okay. Um, and when she threw after she threw that pen, I looked at her and I laughed. And I said, gee, I sure hope I'm here when the lawsuit happens. That was not something that she could perceive as any kind of huge threat. She didn't, I I think, and again, I wish our expert were here so he could verify my feelings. My feelings are that she recognized that somebody saw what she was doing was wrong. And by mentioning the lawsuit, I think that... um, you know, it put her on notice that this is not acceptable behavior, and in fact, um, there could be some real repercussions to this kind of behavior. So at least I hope that that's what it did. You know, thank you for bearing with me today. I'm I'm so sorry our guest didn't make it for whatever reason. I always end our show with a with a quote. I'm going to end early today, and I have a quote from a woman named Anna Julia Cooper, who was actually the fourth black woman to ever get a PhD in the United States. So she's a significant person if you ever want to look her up. But her quote is: "Bullies are always cowards at heart, and may be credited with a pretty safe instinct in scenting out their prey." And boy, that's been my experience. So thank you so much uh, for joining me today. I'll try and schedule Gary Nemi next time from the Workplace Bullying Institute. Meanwhile, please join us next week. We're going to have a couple of, uh, or at least one uh, researcher from the University of Illinois who has researched sibling violence. New concept to me, but I have heard stories. So please join us next week on uh, Three Women, Three Women. <laughs>